When I was a kid, I would get a lot of quiet time with meditation and reflection, but we called it detention. As a kid, I couldn't sit still, or wouldn't. My mind tells me I couldn't, but that's not the truth. And today, I'm trying to be more about the truth. I could sit still. I just need a justifiable reason to go through the necessary self-discipline required to sit still. Because I would rarely practice sitting still, my mind was set to be actively moving. In detention, I simply removed the choice of doing anything else. I believed I had to sit still and do my time. And I did. I did it to avoid further punitive measures, like meetings with parents and my father's anger. That was good enough motivation for me to cooperate with detention. There is an important difference between thinking I can't versus I won't. When I tell myself I can't, I remove myself from responsibility. When I think or say I won't, I admit responsibility. Try doing it for a while and see how it feels. Instead of saying I don't have time, say I have other priorities. Taking responsibility for choices and actions, I found for me to be extremely important. And this too with meditation. I need to choose to meditate. I do have time. I might need to sacrifice some other priorities, but I can do it. I found this poem around my third year in recovery that really helped me. It's called The Winner's Creed. If you think you are beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you like to win but think you can't, it's almost a certain you won't. If you think you'll lose, you're lost. Since out in the world we find success begins with a person's will, it's all in your state of mind. Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster hand, but sooner or later the person who wins is the one who thinks, I can. Our faith, which can give access to grace, has everything to do with what we think. Meditation is a practice where I can learn to understand my inward authority, where I can learn to see the thoughts I can't or I won't. My beliefs, trainings, understandings, and perceptions guide all my activity, and much of it exists without me even noticing it. This message, I can't, that is either thought or said, can be deceptive and a root cause of spiritual destruction. I recommend learning about what's called self-fulfilling prophecy. So this message, I can't, can block out hope and inspiration. I have found it crucial to eliminate words like this from my vocabulary in many situations. The messages within my mind are my coaching voices. I decided to recreate my coaching voices with words that can help me change and improve. Whenever I get a thought like this, I can't, I can evaluate myself for where I got the idea. Having never done it before is not good evidence that I can't do it. No one else doing it is not evidence that I can't do it. Creating new and better things involves doing things others don't do and testing limits. I have learned looking at facts and testing things out can prove my instinct response of I can't inaccurate. The idea that I can't meditate for 30 minutes each morning and night, in most cases, just isn't true. 
It is a deceptive thought. I can make it happen. Just like my participation with detention, I needed a justifiable reason. I was told meditation could help me and I needed help. Then I was curious and gave myself into the experiment to see what would happen. I had to experience it the way I was told to experience it to see if I would get the results I was told I would get. I have found that making drastic changes like this is the best way to grow. And if I'm unwilling to accept the changes needed to make this happen, I won't grow much at all. But I needed to create a reason to forego the necessary self-discipline. I wanted to know more about this meditation. I was instructed to practice turning over my will to God and to do God's will. Therefore, it made sense to me I was to seek a better understanding of God's will and find a way to carry it out. So in meditation, that is what I sought. Following God's instructions required me to grow more and more to give my all to God as the great command suggests. Giving a little here and a little there just wasn't a good investment for me. I had to change from seeking God when I wanted God to seeking God more as God wanted me to do it. Within us all exists in varying ways, forms of denial and self-deception, even below our consciousness. Just watch the Brain Game series to learn more about this or do a search on self-deception. In recovery meetings, we get to hear people make excuses, justifications, and rationalizations all the time. I can't. I've tried before. I don't have time. Or, yeah, but I'm different are some of the statements regularly heard. Sometimes others in the room will just laugh. They laugh because they have done it themselves and realize how ridiculous it sounds. There are some people who try and give up quickly. Willingness and commitment will be needed to develop, grow, and bring adequate change. Being dedicated to the process for long term and willing to change what we are used to doing enough to incorporate conscious investment to think and ponder who God is and anticipate more precisely the steps we can take to participate in such character. I believe this is what the Bible refers to as good works. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works means to me that the amount of Christ in me will produce the amount of good works I do. If my good works are very little, that will often indicate how much of Christ is in me. If I'm not seeking to produce Christ-like thoughts, that's a problem. For me to do godly good, it always begins with my thinking. So I practice a regular investigation upon my thinking and my attitude. Because we all function subconsciously and need to for many reasons, we need self-evaluation and exploration upon our attitude, choices, and schedules. To improve Christ being in us will require cooperation with Jesus' instructions. It doesn't make sense to me to do things Jesus wouldn't do and claim to be operating with Jesus. Jesus knows God's principles, values, statutes, law, commands, and Jesus followed them strictly. As Jesus describes in John 15, 
I need to improve my obedience with God and God's interest in order to produce, by God's grace, good works. I cannot be in God's grace if I'm doing things that are not aligned with God's good. So to make such changes will require new thought, new vision, new purpose, new goals, and structural change. In order to examine myself, I must slow down and ponder what I'm thinking. Journaling can really help to recall what we think. As we journal our thoughts, we can also witness patterns of thoughts. This can help with increasing self-awareness. Those who meditate regularly over a long period of time can develop more calm, controlled confidence that can speak loud and clear to others. To get good results from meditation can require a commitment to do it daily. Just as I explained in the podcast series, Spiritual Growth Formula, effort, time, and spiritual focus is needed. I was first introduced to meditation when I was about 15 years old. I was a student in martial arts. The instructor would always be teaching how to focus our thoughts and how they impact our ability to defend ourselves. Meditation involved a focus, conscious effort, and self-discipline. I was to set my thoughts in a direction for a specific purpose. Our thoughts had purpose. God gives instructions. Joshua 1.8 Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Psalm 1-2 But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night? Romans 8-5 Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. One command and one law. The inward authority process involves imperfectly perfecting the first and great commandment of God, to love God. God is good. To build with God, our thoughts need to build into that goodness. There is only one good. That is God's good. See Mark 10.18 and Luke 18.19. The solution for me continues to be proven through experiencing growth in that good. When I reached out for help, one of the many instructions I had was to meditate to improve my conscious contact with God. I was newly sober, feeling lost, confused, anxious, angry, and couldn't sleep. So I would sit in the backyard smoking cigarettes, waiting until I got tired enough. Sometimes that would be until 1 or 2 in the morning. After a week or so, I set a chair in the middle of the yard and watched the stars. I began pondering about God. I heard someone say at a meeting, Just talk to God like you would a bird on a wire. I began talking with God. It felt like I was talking with something that might be there. I had hope mixed with uncertainty, but there was hope. I believed there was a good and right way to live. I also heard someone describe God as good orderly direction, G-O-D. I cling to that idea about God. Read Romans 12:9. cling to what is good. I was following biblical instructions and I didn't even know it. 
Try doing a concordance study with the word good in the Bible. This is also available on the website inwardauthority.com. I have it broken down into patterns to help with understanding. I mean, in order to cling to good, as God is good, as the Bible says to do, then I need to read it and know it in order to cling to it. Back to the backyard and looking at the stars, I began thinking about things that were good. These were things that normally would not enter my mind. The people, places, and situations where I lived were not incorporating much good, so it was not valuable to me. It wasn't very relevant to my situation. But now I was associating with new people, places, and situations that found value and good. I felt like a fish out of water. I used to cling to the feelings of physical gratification through various means. I would anticipate the party or event where I would go to have my fun. I became attached to drugs and other things that produced euphoria. Such things were the purpose for living. I lived to party. I believe anticipation is a part of meditation. The thoughts within me that are attached to something as a reward, things that I hope for, that to make me feel good or to be right, will often indicate what I treasure. God wants me to treasure God and God's ways. My thoughts need refocusing. I need to think more, slowly, subtly, gradually improving to think more about God, God's righteousness and goodness. But at the time, before my recovery, like Pavlov's dog salivating at the bell, I would get excited on the way to the party or liquor store. I would be meditating upon the experience with anticipation. This reaction is the same with any addiction or obsession, whether it is food, gambling, promotion, new toys, or winning the lottery, sex, if I place my joy and love there, it will be my God. I became psychologically dependent upon such things. My mind became trained to understand and believe such things would bring me joy. I would meditate upon them during school, talk about it with my friends, and even buy things like shirts and posters that would display them. Read Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. I glorified my addiction. I chose friends that did the same. There was bonding and a sense of brotherhood. In recovery, I was told to spend time thinking about spiritual principles. The addictive way of life was all I knew. I was to read and go to meetings to get new learning. I had to begin seeking an invisible and intangible God. And the only guidance I had were a few spiritual principles. Honesty, love, service, humility, and willingness. I needed to begin practicing thinking about God's good, spiritual good. And for that I needed to think carefully and honestly. I practiced comparing and contrasting my ways, my thoughts, versus what is right and what is good with God, God's righteousness. When I began meditating, I would sit, wait, sit more, wait more. It was quiet, very quiet. Days would pass and this became like a ritual. Each night 
when everyone else was in bed and I couldn't sleep, I would go out to the backyard and wait until I get tired enough. There was a stray cat that came around. We kind of adopted it. My father named him Blackie. He was black. My dad wasn't very creative. It looked like he had been burned. He wouldn't let anyone near him. He had trust issues for good reason. After a few weeks, Blackie warmed up to me and would get close enough to be touched. A few more weeks, Blackie was sitting with me. God was teaching me right there about relationships and trust, but I didn't know it at the time. I believe God is always teaching, but it requires a focus and skill of being able to put spiritual and relational things together. I kind of see myself a little bit like Blackie. I bonded with this cat. That was not my goal, but it happened. Time and being present with the interest of safety and well-being with a desire for care or love develop the bond. Some people don't like cats. Please don't let your prejudice blind you from the point. Incorporate your own personal preferences to find understanding. I was told when I began my spiritual journey to look for the similarities, not the differences. This is due to the fault-finding nature of defiant thinking. Reorienting the mind to see God's good seems to me to be a requirement for each of us to receive restructuring. There is a cooperative process from each of us that requires conscious effort. Merely reading words or following programs without changing how we perceive things may make change very difficult. I knew nothing about God. Uh, but yet I needed to serve God and do God's will, so I needed to figure out how to do that. I would meditate upon nature, animals, stars, biology, with wonder and questions. I was curious about life. I enjoyed testing things and examining what makes things work. When I read stories, I sometimes imagined what it would be like for me in that situation. Blackie trusting me brought me new information about life. I had been a destructive person. Trust in relationships is a part of life. Trust is created through action, demonstrated over time. I evaluated myself. I taught people not to trust me through my actions and words. My first trusting relationship may have been with that cat late at night as the city slept. This relationship with Blackie is a great example. I needed to show up and be present on a regular basis and demonstrate safe behavior. This new relationship required both of us to show up and be present. If Blackie didn't show up, then what good would my showing up be? Over the years, when I'm seeking God with my all, I am more likely to experience spiritual things. When I am focused upon other things, I am less likely to experience spiritual things. People told me, you find what you're looking for. It's my part in this spiritual relationship to show up, listen, and follow spiritual good instructions. Consistency, repetition, and persevering will affect the quantity and quality of my spiritual experience. This too with meditation. In meditation, I was to put away thoughts that were not good and put in thoughts that were good. There existed within me a consistent cognitive dissonance. I had a focused effort to see what was not good and replace new thoughts with what is good. 
When I was in fear, I would switch my thought process to invite God to help me be strong. When angry, I would pray for peace and forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 10.5 became a regular experience for transformation to occur. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. My mind was filled with a lot of understandings that were inconsistent with godly good. It just wasn't possible for me to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And that wasn't expected either. I was instructed to make a beginning and begin changing. The goal was take some progressive action to begin following spiritual principles instead of my personality. Most of who I was and how I lived was based upon destructive teaching and examples. The principles I had learned, don't talk, don't trust, and don't feel, were no longer my goal. I was beginning to accept, slowly and gradually, in pieces, a new way of living that would involve all my attention, all my senses, with great effort and diligence. I was beginning a new, constant journey to press toward God's ways while setting aside my own. My attention toward this restructuring needed to be persistent. I practiced meditating in places that were quiet and where I was alone, not because God is more present there, but because it reduced distractions within my mind. I had attention deficit issues. I was very hyper. Although I didn't know it at the time, within me existed much fear, anger, and anxiety. So when I would meditate, I would seek out a place where no one could see me. Most meditation experiences involve calm, quiet, and stillness. For those who never do it, this will be very different. It takes some time to get accustomed to it. I like the outdoors. I can do it indoors, but it works better for me outside. When I meditate, I try to be still. I stop moving and just try to be in one place. I stop working or seeking to produce both physically and mentally. I relax. This may take a while, perhaps even weeks. Getting a coach to learn how to relax might help. Sometimes we just need to sit for a while to let ourselves gradually slow down within our minds and bodies. One metaphor I like to use is a spinning top. Just imagine spinning something and waiting for it to slow down. Thoughts of impatience, anger, blame, worry, fear, and fault-finding can produce anxious thoughts. Anxiousness creates unsettling reactions within our minds and bodies. In the beginning, meditation can be a practice of letting go of such thoughts while thinking about things that are good and relaxing, things that are calming. Experience and gaining control over our thoughts and reactions comes gradually with each participating experience. It may come easy for some, but there are others who will resist, unconsciously, maybe even consciously. There are some who will try it out, hating the idea, and be very defensive throughout the experience. 
They may even think things to try to sabotage it and think about all the things that are wrong with it. Some individuals may subconsciously have already decided it won't work for them and they will prove themselves correct. Let's look at some facts about meditation. Practically every religion believes meditation is part of the path to grow spiritually. Psychologists, medical doctors, education systems use meditation and have found good results. Meditation is a main component in 12-step programs that has helped millions of people. Meditation is suggested to help any addiction. It has been used in prisons with good results. The idea of meditating, thinking, pondering, and setting a mind towards God and God's ways and God's goodness is throughout the Bible. I believe it is important to examine my logic for refusing to participate in things that thorough testing has proven beneficial. If the stories in the Bible say repeatedly over and over throughout the Bible something that I should be doing, if I don't do it, then obviously I'm the problem. Fortunately for me, I didn't have to do it all in one day. I could just make gradual beginnings, achievable goals, simple steps. And I have found the most difficult step to make is always the first one. That first step in the right direction. This step always involves a sense of humility. It involves accepting change, growth, and being different. I try to set aside thinking about what's going to happen later and just focus on making that first step. Humbling myself to test it on my own with an open mind repeatedly was the only way for me to find truth. And I needed to be careful that my personal bias didn't sabotage the experience. In transformation, I need to make choices between what my mind tells me is a good idea and what reality tells me is a good idea. Because sometimes those two don't agree and I need to choose to follow one of them. There are a lot of really good instructions in the Bible that are consistent and repeated, which my mind tells me not to do. Yet, if I'm going to improve with God and the Bible's instructions, then I have to choose to begin following them. And sometimes the best way to convince myself is just to sit and look and think and meditate upon the instructions, thinking about the good that they can bring, the good consequences that can come from following them. Visualizing the good from doing the instructions can help with inspiration. Meditation doesn't have to be with folded legs, bent knees, or even sitting. I don't chant or moan, and neither do people I know. I situate myself in a position that is comfortable, and if that gets uncomfortable, I change it. I prompt my thoughts toward visualizing things that are good and beautiful. Sometimes when I'm stressed out, I will sit and I will just analyze the situation and all the details. Then I will analyze what's godly good, what's God's good character. How can I tie that into a solution with this problem? And after doing it for a while, I realize that maybe I need some more humility, forgiveness, some compassion, and perhaps I did something wrong and I need to go make amends and restitution. I took a class when I was about 22 called 
Eliminating Self-Defeating Behavior at a Community College. In that class, we experienced a guided meditation. We laid down on the floor and the instructor guided us to tense and relax every muscle from one end of our body to the other. We began with tensing our toes and then relaxing, then moved to the sole of our foot, then ankle, then calf, and gradually all the way up the body to our foreheads. This tensing and relaxing was guiding our minds to give attention to parts of our bodies we normally wouldn't think about. There are so many things that go on through each day where we can lose sight of what's important. Meditation upon God and God's ways can help us keep in mind what is important. For me, there just isn't a more sound and logical idea than beginning each day setting my mind and heart to learn, grow, seek, contemplate, and experience that which rescued me from the depths of hell. Reflect upon for yourself what is the best and most important thing that you can spend time thinking about and then practice doing it. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Mm-hmm.